Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Sunday morning Bible class. We're podcasting a Bible class every Sunday morning for those who cannot be with us at the church building at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ every Sunday morning at 930. We're posting this Bible class at 930 on Sunday mornings, the regular time we meet for Bible classes in the building. Now, we know that there are people who listen to our podcasts in other parts of the country and also around the world, and so it's not just for those who, in, who are in the Omaha area who cannot be with us in person, but for those who are listening anywhere and everywhere. And we're thankful that through the medium of the internet and by means of these podcasts that we can teach God's Word on such a widespread basis. We're thankful to have that ability, that opportunity, and the means to be able to do that. And we do not take that lightly. We take it seriously. This is a blessing from God that through this technology, we can spread his word all over the world, basically, and do so on a consistent basis. Now, if you're in the Omaha area, we want to encourage you to come and be with us in person to study God's word with us and grow spiritually with us, get stronger in your faith, get to know us, and let us get to know you. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street in Omaha, 3606 North 108th Street in Omaha. And again, our Bible classes begin at 930 on Sunday morning followed by worship at 10.30, Sunday evening worship at 6 o'clock, and then on Wednesday evenings, midweek Bible classes each Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. You're welcome to any and all of these services. We encourage you to share these podcast Bible studies with everybody you can. You know people in your life who need to get into God's Word. They need to grow in their faith. They need to pay attention to their relationship with God and to their soul's salvation. Help them by sharing these studies with them all of the time and with everybody you can. You can do that through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means. But share with your family members, your friends, your work associates, your neighbors, literally with everybody you can all of the time. You may help somebody turn their life around. You may help somebody get to heaven. That'll be a great blessing for them, obviously but it will also be a great blessing for you. So make that commitment and start sharing today. Also encourage everybody you can to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. And scroll down the homepage to our podcast button, click on that, and tell them to sign up for our podcasting. It is free. It always will be free. We keep emphasizing we're not after people's wallets. We want to help people get to heaven. And when somebody signs up for our podcasting, they will receive to their smart device our Sunday morning Bible class, our Wednesday night Bible class, all of our sermons. That'll all go automatically to their device. And also, they will receive a Monday through Friday daily radio program, Search the Scriptures. And in addition to that, and I think this is really a tremendously beneficial uh, feature in our podcasting, they will receive a seven-day-a-week daily Bible class that's only about 13 minutes long each day called Today's Bible Class. Gets us into God's Word, 
even for that short period of time, it keeps us in God's word and thereby helps us to grow in our faith and stay strong in our faith and stay in touch with our God. Really wonderful lessons, teaching material, Bible study material that's available to anybody simply by signing up and it's always free. And while at our website, people can download and listen to hundreds of sermons and also hundreds of articles that are scripturally based and spiritually focused. Again, all of that is there. Incredible Bible study materials. And it's all there for anybody who wants to access it for free. So tell everybody you can and take advantage of it yourself. Now we're going to get back into our study from the book of Numbers, chapter 20. We have been studying through what, we call, what is called the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament. We've been spending some time doing this. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Now, in Leviticus, and actually toward the end of Exodus, I started skipping some texts of Scripture because they were getting into some oh, kind of technical uh, material that's talking about different spiritual laws for the for the Israelites and the construction of the tabernacle and the different features that go into it and the priestly garb, uh, priestly garments and so on and the laws, the different spiritual laws. And, and those, to read through those in a Bible study kind of setting can, can be rather tedious and, and I don't want to lose you as, in, 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 as far as the, your interest is concerned in, in this study. So I've left those texts of Scripture up to you. You can read through those yourself. And I've been trying to highlight the various texts that talk to us about some things that I really want to bring out that are, I would look at as being more of an instructional kind of text for us today rather than those Old Testament spiritual laws and guidelines as far as all those details again. You can, you can look at that, and that's good material, but I want us to learn from the lessons that are there for us in these, these other texts, uh, more of a narrative kind of thing. Now, remember that God sent Moses to lead the Israelites out of Egypt because they had been basically made slaves. And so he led them out of Egypt and gave them some of the law, the, first, the Ten Commandments for sure, at Mount Sinai, and then guided them to go to the borders of what he had promised as a land that he would give to the descendants of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And so they go to the southern border. Moses selects 12 men, one from each tribe, to go into that promised land. That was the land of Canaan. Ultimately, that would become the nation of Israel. But at this particular point, Moses sends these 12 men in to go through the land, spy it out, bring back a report. What's it like? Well, two of those men come back and they say, hey, let's go. It's a good land. We can take it with God's help. By God's blessings and his strength, he will deliver it into our hands. That was Joshua and Caleb. The other 10 men, they come back and initially they give a good report. They bring back samples of the produce of the land. They talk about it as a land flowing with milk and honey. But then they change 
it seems from the text, almost in yeah, from one sentence to another. They say, hey, wait, we can't go in there, though. We cannot fight against those people. Those cities are large, and they are fortified. They've got walls around them, and there are even giants in there, and we're like grasshoppers in their sight, and we're like grasshoppers in our own sight by comparison. Well, they were self-defeated at that point. God recognized, and, and those ten, 10 spies, they stirred up the people to think, we can't do this. Why are we here? What's going to happen to us? And so then God saw that lack of faith, and he brought judgment upon the people. He said, uh, ah, you're, you're not going into this land. You're going to, and what resulted was that God caused them to piddle around in the wilderness for the next 40 years or so, for, for that, so that entire generation, adult generation, could die off in the wilderness. And he said, I'll bring your children in there. You, you're so concerned about your children and from what you're saying, you're not going in. Mamas, daddies, grandparents, I'll bring your children in there. When they grow up, they will be of greater faith than you, and I'll lead them into the land that I promised that you should have gone in and received through my power and my direction. But since you had that lack of faith, your faith was so weak, you won't go but your children will. The ones you voiced out loud that you were so concerned about what would happen to them, they'll be stronger in faith. I'll lead them into that land, and I will give them the victory over their enemies therein. Well, so then God is giving the people laws, further, you know, further laws, instructions, guidelines, and giving them more details as to how they need to become his people, a nation that would be his people, the nation of Israel. And of course, it would be through the bloodline of Israel that God would send Jesus into the world as the savior of mankind. But we see them continue to have problems with their faith. I keep calling this the fickleness of humanity, but it's, it, it, they, they will become more dedicated in their faith, and then they'll, that faith will wane, and they'll become weaker. And so a number of different things have happened that have demonstrated their weakness in faith, and they keep changing their minds. They keep being, well, fickle is a good word again. And God punishes them in some cases. He provides for them, but they still continue to lack a consistency of strong, dedicated faith in God and his ability and his willingness to deliver them, to bless them in the ways that he has prophesied that he would do. Well, we come to chapter 20 of the book of Numbers, and as the people of Israel have continually struggled in their faith and dedication to God, how sad that we come to a similar situation, and it's really not a lack of faith, but it's arrogance, it's self-pride on the part of Moses, whom God chose to lead, to lead the people out of Egypt and into the promised land. Numbers chapter 20, then the children of Israel, the whole congregation came into the wilderness of Zin in the first month, and the people stayed in Kadesh. 
and Miriam died there and was buried there, Miriam being a sister of Moses. And so she dies in the wilderness. Now there was no water for the congregation, so they gathered together against Moses and Aaron. Notice that again, gathered together against Moses and Aaron. Well, once before, as they were in their earlier days going through the wilderness, they were complaining about not having water, and and God told Moses, strike the rock with your rod, and God brought forth water. God provided it for them miraculously. Later, God provided food for them miraculously. But again, their faith keeps waning, demonstrating that their faith is not strong across the board on a consistent basis, but it keeps weakening, and they keep showing a weakness of faith in God. Well, now they're in a place where they need water, and so they gather against Moses and Aaron. And the people contended with Moses. Now, this has already happened on other occasions, and God has communicated Moses is my man. He is your leader. I'm your God. When you complain against Moses, you're complaining against me. When you have a lack of faith in Moses' leadership, you have a lack of faith in my leadership because he's simply doing what I'm telling him to do. So the people contended with Moses and spoke, saying, If only we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. What? See, again, that weak faith, wishy-washy people, fickle. Why have you brought us, why have you brought up the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness that we and our animals should die here? Lack of faith. God keeps taking care of them. They keep finding fault. Why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is not a place of grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, nor is there any water to drink. Now, God had been providing water for them. God had been providing food for them on an ongoing basis. But they come into a position where suddenly they find themselves, there's a lack of water there, and they start complaining again. Now, they're focusing those complaints against Moses and Aaron, but really they're against God. And they cried to God for deliverance while they were under the oppression of Pharaoh in Egypt, and he answered their prayers and and delivered them from that bondage. But now they're talking like, boy, we had it so good back there compared to what we've got it now. Why'd you bring us out here to die? So Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and they fell on their faces and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. Again, God would appear to Moses in the pillar of the cloud by day and the pillar of the fire by night, and he would communicate with Moses his will, but also his judgment upon the people. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, gather the congregation together, speak to the rock, before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. Now, the first time this happened, 
God told Moses to strike the rock, and he did. But it was God who brought forth the water. Now this time, God is telling, giving Moses similar instruction. God's going to give them people water, but he tells Moses this time, speak to the rock. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him, and Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly, gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, now Moses is speaking, hear now, you rebels. Oh, sounds like he's rebuking them, and it would be right that he would do so. Must we bring forth water for you out of this rock? We? God was the one who's going to bring water. Now Moses is getting a little bit of the, well, maybe more than a little bit of a big head here on this particular occasion, at this particular moment. Now maybe he just kind of lost control of his thinking for a little bit here, because he continually had to deal with the fickleness, the wishy-washiness of the people, their weak faith, growing more committed and then waning and weakening, and they keep complaining against him. And so maybe he just, at this particular point, he just kind of decided he was going to speak to them like he was the power rather than God. And so Moses He asked the question, must we bring water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod. And water came out abundantly, and the congregation and their animals drank. Moses disobeyed God. The first time this happened, God told Moses, strike the rock. God brought forth water. This time, God tells Moses, speak to the rock. Oh, but in self-pride, it would seem, and arrogance, Moses, as though he were doing this? Or maybe standing on an equality, an equal level with God, must we bring forth water for you? And so instead of speaking to the rock, he strikes the rock again. We might think of that as being kind of an action of power on his part, striking the rock instead of speaking to it. Well, God brought forth the water. The people drank. Their animals drank. But then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe me to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. So God pronounces judgment upon Moses. You did this? You acted in self-pride? self-glory, arrogance. You disobeyed what I instructed you to do. You did it a different way. Well, I brought water for the people, but you will not lead this people into the land which I have promised them. This was the water of Meribah because the children of Israel contended with the Lord and and he was hallowed among them. Well, Moses will not be allowed into the promised land. We move on to verse 14. Now Moses sent messengers from Kadesh to the king of Edom. Thus says your brother Israel, you know all the hardship that has befallen us, how our fathers went down to Egypt and we dwelt in Egypt a long time. And the Egyptians afflicted us and our fathers. 
When we cried out to the Lord, he heard our voice and sent the angel and brought us up out of Egypt. Now here we are in Kadesh, a city on the edge of your border. Please let us pass through your country. We will not pass through fields or vineyards, nor will we drink water from wells. We will go along the king's highway, and we will not turn aside to the right hand or to the left until we have passed through your territory. So Moses is sending word to the king of Edom, we're on the border of your land, let us pass through, please. We're not going to eat any of your crops, we're not going to take any produce from your fields, we're not even going to drink any water from your wells. Now this would be uh, quite a statement, because if you have a a people that are numbering in somewhere in the millions, one to three million probably at least, then they could do a lot of damage to the crops in the field. If they started picking the produce out of the land, they could drain some of the wells, the watering places and so on. But Moses says, we won't do any of that. We'll just stay on one straight course. Please let us pass through your territory. Then Edom said to him, you shall not pass through my land, lest I come out against you with the sword. And so the king of Edom says, uh, no, 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 I don't give permission for your safe passage. You start through my land, we're going to come out, all my armies, uh, my army, all my soldiers are going to come out and fight against you. So the children of Israel said to him, we will go by the highway and we and and if I or my livestock drink any of your water, then I will pay for it. Let me only pass through on foot, nothing more. Then he said, "You shall not pass through." So Edom came out against them with many men and with a strong hand. Thus Edom refused to give Israel passage through his territory. So Israel turned away from him. Now I think we're to understand there was no battle. But the king of Edom sent his army out to prepare for battle and, if necessary, to drive the people of Israel back. But Moses turned the people away, and they did not go into battle. They did not confront the soldiers of Edom. They turned and went a different way. Now, the children of Israel, the whole congregation, journeyed from Kadesh and came to Mount Hor, And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in Mount Hor by the border of the land of Edom, saying, Aaron shall be gathered to his people, for he shall not enter the land which I have given to the children of Israel, because he rebelled against my word at the water of Meribah. Now, here we're to understand, we might have been a little bit unsure as Moses struck that rock as he, in arrogance and self-pride, asked the people, shall we give you water to drink? Now, was he putting himself on a level with God? Or was he simply talking about Aaron and I, my brother and I, shall we give you water to drink? Well, Aaron was apparently, you know, going along with Moses on this. He apparently was, was, was in agreement. And so God is pronouncing judgment upon Aaron here, not only are you not going to enter the promised land, but you're going to die here in the wilderness. So Aaron shall be gathered to his people, for he shall not enter the land which I have given to the children of Israel, because you rebelled against my word at the water of Meribah. 
Take Aaron and Eleazar his son and bring them up to Mount Hor. Strip Aaron of his garments and put them on Eleazar his son, for Aaron shall be gathered to his people and die there. So in other words, the mantle of, of high priest would be passed on to Aaron's son, Eleazar, and Aaron would die. So Moses did just as the Lord commanded, and they went up to Mount Hor in the sight of all the congregation. Moses stripped Aaron of his garments and put them on Eleazar his son. And Aaron died there on the top of the mountain. Then Moses and Eleazar came down from the mountain. Now when all the congregation saw that Aaron was dead, all the house of Israel mourned for Aaron thirty days. Actions have consequences. Faithfulness to God brings God's blessings. Now, it's not that we earn those blessings, but God blesses us according to our faithfulness and dedication to him. But disobedience to God also bears consequences. Sometimes immediate, as people who might commit crimes Now, that's not only a sin against the laws of man, it's a sin against God, first and foremost. And crimes bear consequences. People end up in jail. Sometimes people end up dead or maimed. Well, here, the consequence of Moses and Aaron's self-pride, self-glory, arrogance, is they will not enter the promised land with the rest of the people. But also, at this particular moment, God takes Aaron's life. He is no longer the high priest. It is passed on to his son, and Aaron dies. The people mourn for Aaron for 30 days. We'll pick up with chapter 21 next time. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us so much detailed instruction as to how to live before you and the consequences of not doing so, but far more the blessings that you have for us as we live faithfully before you and to you. Help us to see that you offer us the best way of life, not only physically, but spiritually and eternally. Help people to open their eyes and see, Father, and to turn away from ungodliness, wickedness, evil, sin, and come to you for salvation through Jesus Christ. Please forgive us, gracious Father. Hear our prayer in Christ's name. Amen.